As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. everybody and welcome back to another episode of sound of the loons presented by alina health and this week we are joined by jan gregush second time around minnesota united back with the loons contributing in the midfield as he always does and thank you first and foremost jan for joining me today because i know uh it's a busy schedule we all talk about this being the business end of the season big game mm-hmm. coming up on the weekend so thanks for taking the time to, to thank join you. Me thank today. you for having me thank you so I want to talk about when you first came over to this league and when you came to MLS and you joined Minnesota United. And then, you know, what was your first impression? If you can even remember back to that, now it seems like forever ago. But when you came over here, you decided to join this league. What were your first impressions? And then now that you've been here quite some time, what's your thought on it now? How do you feel like you've grown and how do you feel like you maybe have a different perspective on this league? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, first time I definitely didn't know how it's going to be because like uh, it was uh, it was still a little bit like unknown for me as well, like being in Copenhagen for almost four years and uh, and uh, being there for quite some time. And uh, then the opportunity showed itself to 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 go to MLS and uh, and we made a deal. And uh, yeah, it was it was very I wouldn't say uh, like new to me, but like, uh, yeah, being that far away from Europe and from hope and from everything, you know, it was definitely like new experience for me, but uh, I got used to it pretty quickly. And like football, it's, uh, it's, it's a game that is played all over the world. So like that doesn't change, but uh, yeah, definitely can say that uh, in that time now that it's like probably my fifth year, I believe in, in MLS. The, the league is growing so much and like every year new players coming in, big star and, and, and such. So, so yeah, it's definitely growing. So when you came over in 2019 and you joined Minnesota United, and then when you first stepped foot on the pitch in this league, how did it feel different to you? And, and not even just the, the game itself on the field, but just the travel, the different climates, the, the competition. How did it feel different to you than where you had been prior? Uh, not really that different. I mean, the different was probably the, I would say like the lifestyle and the people like around that was probably like the, the, the bigger thing than the game itself. I remember the first, uh, first game I think we had of the season was in Vancouver, I believe. And, uh, and we won that one. So it was, it was very good and we kept on winning and had, having like a good results. And uh, we had so many like new faces also like in the club that time. And like, uh, 
And for not only for me, it was the first experience, like being in America and being in MLS. We had like uh, more than one player to be like that. So, so yeah, that was that was new for for uh, more people. But uh, I think we did pretty well. And uh, game wise, I wouldn't say it was it, it was such a difference. It was like we just tried to like like be our best in a short period of time and uh, and uh, be successful. When you look at back at 2019 and then, you know, spending a couple of years with Minnesota United playing at Allianz Field at that point in 2019, it was a brand new stadium. You guys were kind of christening it and, you know, welcoming the, welcoming, welcoming the Minnesota United mm-hmm. fan base into that stadium. Now that you've been around, you've been to obviously San Jose where you played and Nashville where you played as well. And you've been to just about, I'm guessing, every stadium in the league. Where do you think Allianz Field ranks? And then also... You know, what about the fan base here now that you have seen and been there, done that to a few different locations? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the most beautiful stadiums in the league. That's that's pretty that's pretty obvious. And the fans are amazing also, like the hearing the the Wonderwall after the after the games. And it was it was very special from the from the start. Like uh even before before I came here, I knew that uh, Minnesota is going to have new stadium and it's going to be brand new. But like uh, seeing all the fans and and the stadium being being filled every every game, it was uh, it was something something amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just very happy that I was I was here to experience that. And now you're back, but I want to talk before before you came back where you've been. Mm-hmm. You can talk us through your time with San Jose and experiencing different head coaches. I mean, even San Jose themselves, mm-hmm. I think they've had like seven different coaches in, in seven years. It's been in crazy. And now mm-hmm. you get San Jose coming here this weekend. But talk a little bit about your time in San Jose, not just the team, but you talk about maybe a little bit of a change in lifestyle. I don't know where you lived in the Bay Area, but I lived in the Bay Area for a bit in the mm-hmm. San Jose area um, in Silicon Valley. And it's crazy. It's a lot of people. Yeah. It's a lot of traffic. Um, it's kind of a melting pot. But what was your experience like in San Jose? I mean, I had a great experience there. I uh, Living in California was amazing for me. And the weather there is is fantastic throughout the whole year. So that was uh, that was the great part. And uh and yeah, I, I live I live close to close to stadium. I think everything for me was like pretty close, ten minutes everywhere I wanted to go. So so that was a, that was a good part. And uh, yeah, I had a few different coaches there. I came there basically in the off season. Matthias Almeida at that time called me and uh, wanted me to go there and like be part of the team. So, and with him, I, I happened to have like great relationship because he was a amazing person and a coach and like the, the way like players wanted to like fight for him. And basically he was, he was more also, I would say like more of a, like life coach almost than, than like a, a football coach. So like, yeah, he, he sat with a lot of players and tried to like uh, explain them many things also like in their life and help them so in that regard yeah it was it was very good then it after after we didn't have like a good result it changed again and then basically we didn't do the playoff so so the season wasn't successful yeah and then you end up at Nashville, which is like a totally different dichotomy. Mm-hmm. And now granted, the weather is still very mild and you yes, don't get kind nice. of the, the swings that we get here. But you yeah. you kind of looked out in that regard. You didn't come back to Minnesota until we were well beyond like January, February, March, mm-hmm. April. 
So you didn't have to get this winter in, but um, what was the experience like then going across the country? You now, then you have Gary Smith, maybe a very yeah. different style than Matias Almeida. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what was that experience like for you? And again, a brand new stadium, a new sort of soccer yeah. culture, there, only a couple years in, what was that? Yeah, like? I was very, very like, uh, how to say, uh, mm, well, I'm happy that, that this happened to me basically. Okay. And, uh, uh yeah i couldn't write a fight word but uh mm-hmm. uh yeah the stadium was amazing the fans and uh, the people in the club everything was like uh top class after i believe one month i was there they opened a brand new training facility one of the one of the best in the country so that was also like uh like very nice and uh and yeah it was it was very very life uh, life city with all the country music uh, on the broadway and everything so so i definitely loved my time there and uh yeah the 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 boys and the squad is is uh, is very like uh, high level i would say very competitive uh, very high quality and uh, great guys as well so then you end back you know it's like full circle here uh mm-hmm. minnesota united you're back with the group and then you've just stepped in like basically right from the get-go and made contributions, especially to the midfield. What do you see? And I want to talk big picture before we just talk about you and what it's like to be back with Minnesota United, but sort of looking at where this team is at now, where it was when you were here, where it's at now. And then just even in the midst of the season, I know it's a little tricky for you because you're coming in halfway through, not knowing how the beginning of the season went, you know, Renoso wasn't here. He's back in all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you see from just since your time returning? How do you view your role? And then what can you sort of put your finger on with the results as of late? And how do you how do you switch the how do you switch the tide right now, especially at this time in the season when it's so important to get every point? Well, let's start with like my role regarding my role. So that one I basically know that uh, what uh, what uh, coach basically Adrian uh, wants from me. I, I knew that from my first time here. I, uh, I knew that when I came uh, came back again, so that didn't change much. I knew I know the the way he wants to play, the way that we want to represent this team and and such. So that uh, that wasn't very very difficult for me. And uh, and yeah, as I see the team, I see the team that uh, has a lot of potential, a lot of young players and uh, talented players. But uh, yeah, we need to, as you said, the, the last the last results uh, wasn't there. But uh, little details, little details in, in both boxes to be to be more more decisive up front and uh, to be also like uh, more difficult to play against uh, towards towards the back or like in our own box. So so those are the details that were we were lacking in like. Uh, in like last three three games, I would say, where when we didn't get the the results we wanted, and uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I see. Well, and I think the other thing is is you've been around long enough now to know sort of the craziness of this league, the parity in this league that legitimately anybody can beat anybody on any given night, and we've seen it happen. That's true. And so, so the final whistle. I mean, I just did that ridiculous game wherever I was when there was a weather delay and, you know, we had two uh, truth Austin, that's where I was, you know, and, and you have a a team that's on the road in LA galaxy on the, 
Yeah, they're kind of feeling themselves, Galaxy, after they come from behind against you guys, but now they do it on the road. They score late. So mm-hmm. when you look at this team, you you guys, Minnesota United, is it a mental thing to lock it down in those moments late in games, to hang on to a lead, to come from behind, or not just the, not just the games and the goals themselves, but what about winning at home? How does that get established? Is that a mindset? Is that what is it do you think it's it's i think it's combination of of everything like it has to be it has to be mindset everybody has to have the mindset okay you're winning one zero now you have to close up the game that has to be in everybody's head and of course it is but like you also have like the quality opposition team and like you said like la galaxy did it in the last in the last two games when they were basically for them it should be like lost games right and they still managed to score three against us and two against Austin. So so definitely when we are in that position that we are winning and we want to be in that position, that should uh, never happen again to to basically lose a match like that. On the other hand, we've been in the position also when we were the one that were chasing the game and, and won it in our favor. So yeah, like you said, everybody can beat anybody, but... Uh, now we are in position where where we basically we need to win every game if we want to be successful. And then also you said you know your role, you know what the coach expects from you. Can you explain to listeners what that is? Because you know we can kind of try to break it down as analysts, but from your perspective, what is your role tactically, technically in a game, and what is it that Adrian Heath wants from you? That is, I, I could I could talk to you that about hours about. <laughs> So like uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many things on the football field that are that are happening that you need to know your role, your position, where to stand, where to support the other player, where to ask for the ball, where to press, when not to press, when talk to the players, when not talk to the players. You know, like so many different things. If it's uh, set pieces again, if it throw-ins, uh, there are so many things that probably the people that are not in the field doesn't know about or don't know about. So. Yeah, many different details that uh, yeah, I know I know how to how to act in that position that I play in, and it's very it's very natural to me. How much does it change depending on who you're playing with or alongside? If it's uh, Rosales when he was in Hassani Dotson, Emmanuel Reynoso, Will Trap, I mean Ariaga being back sort of in the mix now. How much does it change when it depends on who else is in the midfield with you? I mean, not really. Those are like little details that like maybe you look at depending on who you play with. But uh, like I said, there are so many like uh, good young players and talented players and and uh, it's easy to play them. So it's not like uh, you would have to change the tactic completely because of like the individuals. It's more like a little details, like know their qualities as well, know which like uh, food to pass to or like details like that, you know. And I just want to ask you about being back in Minnesota in the sense of like, what it's, what is it like? Was it nice to come back to a place that you were familiar with? I mean, just from like a city perspective, places to eat, places to shop, places to live. Like, what was that like for you? Was that a kind of a nice change? Yeah, it, it definitely, it was, it, it definitely helped that I know the city already and I know like, uh, where to go when I need something or like, uh, where I used to live. Now I live close to that place, not the same one, but I, I basically, knew the city inside and out so like it was in that aspect it was also very easy for me to like uh be here again and it's uh nice as well yeah per, kind of like those little things that maybe 
not that you take for granted, but just being familiar with the facilities. You got Angie Blaker there, who you know. Oh, Angie, like, uh, Angie is the best. Angie is the she? best. I can't, I can't say too much praise about her, but uh, she is the best. Yeah, I, I agree. She, she, she is helping so many, so many people I know that it's, it's crazy. She like does. I don't think there's like a true job description for her because she pretty. I much don't know. I don't know. I keep telling. I keep telling her that without uh, her, this club would like uh, vanish or something. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. And then just the last question: What do you expect from San Jose this weekend in particular? And then also, just what are your personal goals to wrap up wrap up the year with Minnesota United? Well, personal goals is definitely to to make this team successful where it should be. And uh, uh, I don't think that the position that we are in right now, like correlates or how do you say that? With the, uh, with the quality of the team? With the quality of the team and like uh, with what we can, what we can do on the football field and what we should do. So that definitely. And uh, what was the first question? Again, Just what do you expect from San Jose? Oh, what do I expect? Yes. Uh, Definitely, definitely very, uh, very good team coming, coming up here. And, uh, mm, I saw, I saw their last game against, uh, against Nashville and second half, they had so many chances. They could easily win that game and they were, they were still pushing and like with, uh, Espinosa and, and Cowell and all these, uh, all these great players, it's going to be very tough, but, uh, but great chance for us to 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 confirm that we really we really want to be up and successful and like uh, do our thing right. But uh, yeah, I'm just gonna repeat myself. They are a very good team. They are they are they are playing really good, and uh, it's gonna be a good game. I hope. Well, awesome. I appreciate it. Hey, I should ask you: Did you not walk away with a puppy the other day? I saw the, all those puppies at practice. I did, and it was hard for me though, cause like. <laughs> I told them, I told them when you, when you bring the puppies like that, it's, it's very dangerous. I love dogs. As you can say, mm -hmm. I love dogs. I don't have any cause I, I wouldn't probably have time for, for it with uh, my schedule and everything, mm -hmm. but uh, I love dogs so much. Yeah. I get it. I saw that video and I showed it to my daughter and I was like, how, how did not half the team walk away with a dog? Right. Man? Right. They definitely <laughs> want it. I can tell you that, <laughs> but yeah, it's not that easy, you know? You have I to think agree. about the well-being of the dog as well. <laughs> exactly. They're, they are a lot of work, especially when they're puppies. But I tell you right. what, there's, there's truly something to like the whole pet therapy concept, because no matter what kind of day you're having or what kind of training session you guys had that day, you knew that everyone had a smile on their face when they oh, left yeah. the field that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, awesome. charged, it charged you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jan, I appreciate you taking the time. It's nice to see you back with Minnesota United. And um, I look forward to seeing you on the weekend and good luck the rest of the way. Only a handful of games left. Thank every you very point, much. Every point needed at this point. So I appreciate true you taking that, the time. Exactly. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Stay tuned. Segment number two coming up next of Sound of the Loons. Looking for a way to get closer to your club? For just $25, Loons fans can join the Preserve, Minnesota United's official season ticket waitlist. Waiting usually isn't fun, but this waitlist comes with benefits. Being a member of the Preserve gives you early access to MNUFC single-game tickets, partial season plans, and group tickets, as well as special pre-sales for other marquee events that come to Allianz Field. Visit mnufc.com preserve to join. Thank <laughs> you. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to segment number two of Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. And today uh, I get to be joined for segment number two by the United, I shouldn't say United States, Minnesota United U-17 coach for the Academy, Justin Ferguson. First of all, thank you for taking the time to join me. You and I were just chatting about it. You're an incredibly busy man. You got a lot going on. I mean, first of all, just wrangling that age group of boys. I don't know what that's like. Is that like herding cats or what is that like for you? Yeah, very much so. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's all over the place sometimes. They're running around chasing school, chasing girls, chasing everything else down, and we're trying to get them to play soccer. Do you ever like try to put yourself in your headspace of back what you were like when you were 17? Because I also find, too, that like when I see some of these young kids and what they're capable of, the schedules they're managing and what they're doing at this age, I was like, that is not what I was doing at that age. So I don't know. Do you try to put yourself back in that headspace ever? Definitely. There's, it's crazy how much things have changed, right? I think when we were growing up, there were probably less things that pulled us away from sport. But I think at this point, it's like my job is to try and be the most fun thing that they do so that they can be as fully engaged with soccer as they possibly can, because there's so many things that pull them away. Um, school, um, video games, social media, like it, there's plenty of ways that these guys are running businesses, some of them, and trying to be soccer players at the same time. So it's, it's pretty crazy just to see how things have changed so drastically and then the pulls on their time. I want to go back to sort of how you got into this, your love for the game, and then specifically getting into this age group and Minnesota United. So where does your love for the game come from and the willingness to work with this age group, which is such a, an important piece? Yeah. When I was like 16, I was getting the feedback from a lot of people that I should be a coach, um, which as a 16 year old is like the last thing that you want to hear, right? Like I wanted to play, I wanted to go play at the highest possible level I could. And these people were kind of like patting me on the shoulder being like, yeah, you should coach. Um, and I went off to college and I started, and I, I started coaching while I was in college. Cause I did, I did find some passion for it. And at the end of my playing career, which you know, I was not a person that had a long lengthy career like others that I'm around on a daily basis. Um, the same people that had said that to me kind of brought me in and were like, Hey, look, we can sort out this job for you. You can make a living doing this. And I didn't really believe them at first. I was kind of going in apprehensively and I started coaching and I very quickly fell in love with the idea of really being able to inspire younger people to achieve things that they didn't really think were possible. And I think really the relationships that I had with my coaches growing up led me to a place of wanting to be that for other people. Um, and I think that the U17 age group for me really fits well because it's a place where you get a lot of people that are kind of unsure of who they are in the world. And they're coming to a pivotal age where they can kind of choose, you know, a bunch of different paths to go down. And there's usually a path like soccer that's really been their dream since they were little, um, but they don't really know how to push themselves into the next level or take it seriously in a way that pushes them on to be a professional. Um, and I think it's been fun to be the guy that's kind of like, no, like you can do this. Like people from Minnesota need to understand like this is possible. Um, and I think it kind of leads you to a place of being the person in their lives, hopefully that says, do this, take it seriously, go after it and let's see what happens. Um, and oh, I think, you, been, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think that's been really the funnest part so far. I was just going to ask you when you played soccer, what was your position and were you always kind of a coach on the field? Because I think a lot of times with your own teammates, with your own team, you can kind of see those that just see the game differently. 
feel the game differently, communicate the game differently? Is that why people felt like you, you were going to be a coach at some point and you should go down that path? Yeah, exactly. Like I probably didn't have, let's say the physical uh, qualities to play at the highest level, but I had the brain from a really young age and I was very much sort of dictating for everybody else where they needed to be and what that was supposed to look like. Um, and I don't think that that was, I don't know how I ended up with that. Like I, it wasn't something I necessarily tried to create. It was sort of just, I wanted to lead or maybe I had to lead because I couldn't do the work that others could. And then I think you get yourself to a place of, I was comfortable leading, which I think is also uh, sometimes a hard skill for people to learn. And because I was comfortable telling people that things weren't going well, or that they weren't doing the right thing. I think it, it became pretty natural to step into it. And I, a lot of, especially the early years of coaching, you know, you're, you're copying the coaches that you had before you. Right. And in that moment, I think a lot of them were like, you know, you're going to be really good at this. Um, and without that feedback, I don't know if I would have gotten into coaching. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. And like I said, I really want to be that now for other people as well. Well, it's interesting that you say that though, that you didn't have maybe the physical attributes to play at whatever level you did play at Belmont university. So like not everybody goes on and plays college soccer at any level. So, and you did that. So the other thing I want to ask you is, but that's the beauty of this game. That's the beauty of soccer is that there literally is something for everybody for the most part, you know, not everybody has the same, we have these outside backs and these wing backs and these blazing speed and these forwards with finishing capabilities, but, but there are people that can sit in the middle of the field or in different positions and dictate play. They can read the game. They can change the game in the midst of a game, which is incredibly important, especially in soccer. There are no, you know, set plays per se, right? Like other sports, you have to be able to think and read the game. So having someone like you on the team as an athlete, as a player is, is just as important. Do you ever try to convey that to some of the players that you see now in these youth and academy ages that there is for the most part, probably a place for everybody to, at least at some degree. Yeah. And I think those skills are teachable to be honest. Um, I think that we can start to get people to recognize even momentum shifts in a game or tempo of a pass being a way to control the tempo of the game. And that can allow you to be successful regardless of the ability that you have. And then I think we always have a place in our game for somebody that is incredibly technically gifted. It's not of regardless of your ability to cover the space maybe, or whatever that is, um, you can still unlock the game in a different way. And I find that to be a really beautiful thing about soccer. I think that there's elements where everybody can be a part in their own way and they can express themselves differently depending on maybe the position that you play or um, maybe even just the way in which you interpret a position as an individual. And then I want to talk about your coaching path, your career. You mentioned just a moment ago that you, you, you take things from coaches, you emulate coaches maybe. And sometimes you learn things from coaches that you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I am going to do this, you know, just like anything in life, right? You take positive and negatives from life experiences as learning lessons. So through your career as a coach, what little tidbits and what things have you picked up of like, yes, I can do this. No, I shouldn't do that. We don't need to name any names out yeah. here, but just in your career, what have you, what have you learned in your time at Gardner Webb, you, you know, University of Cincinnati, what have you learned in your time? Yeah, I think I got really good advice really early on, which was to start with really little kids. Um, and that made like, 
that was the biggest challenge, right? But if you could learn to communicate to them and if you could learn to teach them things, then I felt like that could be translatable as you went up in level. Um, I think one of the things you learn really early on is you need to believe in people. I think everybody responds well to the coach that they feel like believes in them. And sometimes that means even convincing them you believe in them when you know they're maybe not quite ready. Um, and convincing them that they, they really can achieve. And now as I look, um, back at some of the experiences I've had, really, it was about getting myself to a place that I understood what I felt like kids needed as they kind of change and evolve themselves to be, you know, who they are. And I think the encouragement really that I, that I see or that I feel is, when you do believe in them, you get a different level out of them. And oftentimes to get somebody to the next level professionally or get somebody to the next level in terms of, you know, where they're trying to get to within our club, I think they really have to start to see themselves in a different way. And sometimes that's, you're the person that's really convincing them or the first person to convince them like, this is possible, you can do this. Um, and I think that becomes a really special relationship that you can garner with kids and then I think we have a lot of children these days that are looking at social media and feeling judged and maybe they're afraid to really live into who they are. So to be a person that's like, no, we believe you can do this. Let's go after this. Um, I think it's been a lot of fun. It's created a lot of really rewarding relationships for me uh, with the players and to see some of the guys even go on from the Academy and, and start to represent the second team, start to represent the first team, even get into the 19s has been really cool to see because you still bump into them in the training facility and you still can have a laugh. And, you know, when they do well, I'm still texting them being like, we're right here with you. You know, we all have your back. We all want to see you do well, which has been really cool. And it's, I don't want to be like Debbie Downer here, but I just have to ask you a quick question on that because you mentioned social media and how difficult that can be for these kids that are growing up in this era, which we never had to deal with. We never had that sort of influence. But at the same time, you have some on the other end of the spectrum that have been told their whole lives that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And so you're like trying to like balance the two, right? And come together as a real team. And especially at the level that you're coaching, you're talking about U17s and you're talking about academy these are kids that already have their path um, if they're going on to, to college, if they're not, if they're staying within the level to get to where you are talking about MLX next pro. And then of course the first team. So how do you bridge that gap when you get this amazing group of kids together, young men, how do you bridge that gap between trying to build some up, trying to temper some down and finding a middle ground to be successful? Yeah, it's definitely a big challenge. Um, I think it depends, like you're saying, on the person and on their involvement in the situation. Whether we think social media is real or not, to a lot of people, they perceive it to be real. So I think in that moment, you have to encourage them to live kind of in both worlds, which is also a little bit weird to say. I think we also end up in this place of, you know, you need people that support you in real life, people that see you and can see who you can be and push you in that direction. Um, anytime that you talk to first team staff here or second team staff here, everybody talks about making sure the players arrive with the right attitude. And I think so much of my job has been to curb the attitude to be like, no, these are the things we value. These are the things that are important. And yes, it's cool to be, you know, liked on social media or it's cool for that, you know, picture or post to go viral. That is cool. 
but it's also cool to represent your home city. It's also cool to represent your friends and your family in the first team. And there's a way of going about that. That's respectful and understanding of the environment that we need to prepare them for. I think it's important that we don't hide them from the reality of the life that they're trying to choose. But at the same time, we have to treat them like they are kids and they're going to make mistakes. They're going to be growing pains. They're, they have to be a 14 year old. They have to be a 15 year old. Um, and obviously as they go through that process of maturing as into young men and, and young adults, I think you can see the, the dangers as well. And we just, we really try and warn them about that stuff. You know, these are the people to get feedback from, not these people. Um, this is the way to handle this type of situation. You know, you need to make sure that you're not posting these things on social media, that kind of stuff. I just have a couple more for you. Cause I don't want Aaron to get mad at me that I'm taking too much of your time as you're trying to get ready for training, but the Academy season is officially back. You guys are underway. What are you most excited about? I know you joined Minnesota United in 2021, but heading into this season, what are you most excited about? What has, I, I know you've already got a, a couple games, but what, what has been like the highlight so far when you see this group together, what, what excites you about this group? Yeah, I think just the growth in the Academy is the exciting part. And when I say growth, I mean, individual players improving, but I also mean the actual reach and pull of the Academy within the club as well. Um, I think more than ever, there's interest now in a lot of these young players and that's because they're showing themselves to be valuable assets to the club. And as they kind of grow and improve and we can see them continue to do so, I think that there's more interest from inside of our club. For the first time this year, we had an Academy player score at Allianz field. For the first time this year, we have academy players scoring in the second team. And we're showing a real, let's say, growth from the academy in that area. And then, of course, when those things happen, people will come down and say, who's the next one? And I think for us, that's been the most exciting part for me. As we get into the games, I think there's a renewed kind of excitement from the boys because they see it as a real pathway, a real opportunity. Because they're seeing guys that they know achieve at a high level and we get into that, you know, if you can see it, you can be it kind of mindset. And as they see that stuff happen, they start to realize he was training with me yesterday. You know, he was training with me last week and they get kind of this renewed excitement of like, I can do this. This is real. And it just kind of backs up some of the things that you've been saying consistently to them, maybe for years. And then every year we have kind of a different group, whether they move between the coaches or whether they move um, up in level or whether it's a young player coming up. And I think to see the togetherness of the academy as a whole, um, I think that's been really, really fun. So what that means is a lot of times in club soccer, you might be playing at a tournament or playing at a showcase, and there's not too many of the other teams from your club around. But for us, a lot of times we're traveling together, we're together all the time. So to see the, let's say, the first group that I had, they're now basically the U19 team to see the new U14 and 15 year olds come in and look up to those guys has been really cool to see because those guys are good role models. They know what it means to be a part of the club. They know how to behave. They know how to act. And at the same time, these young kids are coming in being like, Oh wow. Like this is a different level. And of course, when you're, when you're traveling together all the time, they get to actually know the older players. So when those guys do move on, it's, it's usually the young guys that are celebrating them the most um, because they really did look up to them. And that's been, that's been really cool. And then of course, as we've gotten better, we get to play in more big games. 
And I think they're an important part of development, getting to challenge yourself against the best players, the best academies in the country. And as we have improved, now we're actually in those games with a chance to win them. And that's pushed the player development here so far because now they're having to play in these emotional moments where the game is riding on this or that. And they're still in a moment where they're discovering how to win and how to lose. And we're in matches where we're like, okay, now if you want to win this game, this is how you have to act. This is how you have to behave. This is how you have to manage this situation. And that makes them so much more ready to go into next pro or go into the first team and be a competitive asset in the club. And I remember, you know, in the past, uh, I know the academy is still sort of new in terms of Minnesota United compared to a lot of other clubs in MLS who've had academies for forever, it feels like. So I know I understand it's totally a newer concept for Minnesota United continuing to build at age groups. But the the mantra early on was, okay, this is a learning experience. When you go to these tournaments, maybe you don't get the results you want. You don't perform them, but it's a learning experience. Now you're in a position, you're saying, where you're expecting to get results. The bar has been raised. The group understands that, like, you know, and being able to navigate that pressure and what that what that feels like in those moments to step up to the to the challenge. Yeah, and our job is always to raise the bar. So wherever the player is, we want to continue their process of development within the academy. And I think it's important to make sure that you, you know, at, at first team level, we're trying to win the game on the weekend in the Academy. We're making sure that they're ready to win games when they get into the first team. So in that way, winning is always a part of development. The amount of risk that we can take in terms of developing skill while doing that in the Academy is much greater. And I think as we encourage those guys to be more bold, more brave, uh, approach the game in a different way, we're now, you know, transitioning from, being in these games and just holding on to try and get a result to now dominating aspects of the game. Um, and I think that's been incredibly exciting to see because that's what we want to see at first team level. And that transition is so important for these boys to understand that they're now getting to a point where they really are competing. And it's not, uh, you know, the, the club as a whole is young and the Academy of course is a, is a young part of that, but it's becoming a more relevant part of Hey, no, these guys can really play. These guys can really do this at a high level. And until we're in a place where they're getting high level games, of course, they're not going to be ready to make the jump into next pro or into the first team. And just lastly, where can people find the Academy games? Where can find people find the 17s? Because even my sister-in-law, who has five boys, all of which play soccer, you know, even we'll be sitting around in the summertime and she'll be like, okay, so what's the deal with the Academy? What age group does it start at? You know, cause they all play club soccer, but you know, where, where can people come and see you and see the game so they can experience exactly what it's all about and possibly want to be a part of that as opposed to maybe the current club they're with at the moment. Yeah. I think there's a couple different aspects. Our website is a great resource. It obviously has a schedule and all that information. It also has links to tryouts and camps, which are ways that we obviously continue to select talent from the community. I think there's also uh, plenty of information on social media or MLSsoccer.com. If you go under MLS Next, I think all those schedules are out there now. It's been uh, it's been incredible to see the growth of the league, meaning the academy system in general in this country because I think you do have a lot more opportunity for players that want to play at a high level. Um, obviously we're looking for the best and the brightest. Um, but at the same time, there's plenty of different opportunities to be engaged and involved within our club, whether that's uh, with at the level of camp or at the level of a tryout or whatever that is, you know, it is Minnesota United's team and it does need to be 
connected sort of to our community in different ways. And, you know, if she's got five boys, like, let's take a look. I'm sure the youngest one will be better than the oldest one. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it'll be just exciting to see where they're at over the course of their journey through soccer. And lastly, you know, what is the, what's give me a lowdown on what's the tactical plan? What's your plan today for a training session? Then this week, I feel like I'm sort of prepping you for the training session since I've kept you six minutes over without Aaron getting mad at me. Like, what does the training session look like for you? What kind of prep goes into that? Yeah. So we're preparing for Austin on the weekend. So tomorrow will be the travel day. Um, so oh, how hot is it supposed to be there? I was just there yeah. three hour rain delay. You don't want that. It was like 104 with the heat index. Is it supposed to be warm again? Yeah, it's going to be warm. <laughs> we're going to play in the morning, but of course it's still okay. going to be warm. Um, and when you compare it to the temperature that we've been training at, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. it's going to be mm-hmm. completely different. Uh, in one sense, it's a good thing, right? Because it prepares the boys for what it is like at first team level, having to be adaptable, having to be able to adjust to those things. Um, and then our training session really is to get ready for Austin on the weekend. So we have to do all the normal things that you do to prepare for the match. How are we going to play? How do we expect them to play um, in each moment of the game? So in attack, in defense, in transition, in set piece moments. Um, and the really today is let's get focused around those aspects and without giving too much away, let's make sure we, I was going to say, look at you, you're not even going to give any secrets away. Like, so I hope nobody from Austin is listening to this podcast. (laughs) Like you're going to give away all the secrets. And I didn't wear green knowing that you were playing Austin (laughs) or tomorrow or this upcoming game, but no, I appreciate that. I understand. I get it. You got to take your tactical, technical uh, your game plan advantages into, into it. I get it. Well, I think that everybody would love to find a way to to sneak a little bit more information because any way they can <laughs> edge up on the opponent, I'm sure that they want to. And obviously for us, it's about the boys getting used to being able to deliver at a really high level on a weekly basis or sometimes a biweekly basis. And these trips are great for us because they very much mimic what you experience as part of the first team. Um, so you're flying down the day before you've got the match to play and prepare for, and then flying back after the game or the next morning and, get them as close to that schedule so that they can start to understand what that life looks like and really be prepared for, yeah, the next step in their career. And it's these games that allow us to do so. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, I know you're a busy man. You're going to jet off to your whiteboard and your training session and map it all out. And we won't sneak a peek at that so we can keep everything under wraps. Yeah. Thanks, Kendra. I appreciate yeah, it. If you, if you know Josh Wolf, he literally doesn't give us the lineup until like 35 minutes before kickoff, not even the yeah. 60 minutes that required by the league. So I, I get it. You got to take every advantage you can get. So exactly, I understand. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Have a great rest of your day. I don't even know what day it is. Is it Thursday? Today's yes. Thursday. Yes. Have a great rest of your Thursday and uh, good luck to the group. And I'm, I'm excited. I want to come out and see some games. And I think it's, uh, you know, I love being able to communicate it to everybody that I know that you guys are in action because a lot of people focus on the first team and they focus on MNUFC too. And there's like a gazillion other games out there that are incredibly useful for kids that are in the younger age groups to come out and watch and, and see what that's like and see what that level of play is like and see that, like you said, if you see it, you can be it. And that starts at the younger age group. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody. Stay tuned for another episode of Sound of the Loons coming up next week. Minnesota United hosting San Jose Earthquakes on the weekend.